show aiming to keep America, its citizens, and minds free. Now, here's your host, Daryl Root. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Dakota Rustler Show. Thank you, Arbel, for that intro. Today's topic, defending self-defense. Many people think of guns as deadly weapons, but they are not. The deadly weapon is the person holding the gun and that person's intentions. Most smart Americans undoubtedly know that guns are a tool that thugs and criminals often use to take many innocent lives every year. However, they also know that firearm use saves numerous lives. Some examples, all of which are this year unless stated otherwise throughout this podcast. On May 15, an attacker in an apartment complex in Fort Smith, Arkansas, fatally shot a woman and then fired 93 rounds at other people before a man killed him with a bolt-action rifle. Police said he likely saved a number of lives in the process. On June 30th, a 12-year-old Louisiana boy used a hunting rifle to stop an armed burglar who was threatening his mother's life during a home invasion. On July 4th, a Chicago gunman shot into a crowd of people, killing one and wounding two others before a concealed handgun permit holder shot and wounded the attacker. Police praised him for stepping in. These are just a few of the nearly 1,000 incidences reported by the media so far this year. This article was written in September and it goes up to August 10th, in which gun owners have stopped mass shootings and other murderous acts, saving countless lives. I say countless because in situations like this, it's almost impossible to prove a negative. Crime experts say high-profile occurrences such as the ones just mentioned represent but a tiny fraction of the cases in which guns are used defensively. The data, however, can be unclear for a number of reasons. As I said, it's hard to prove a negative. How many lives does a drunk save by not driving home? Zero? Four? Sixty-six if it's a school bus that he hits? Real deaths are countable ones that never happen aren't. They can only be assumed or estimated using theories. Americans who look at nothing but the usual anti-gun headlines would be surprised to learn that according to academic estimates, defensive gun uses, including instances when guns are simply shown to deter a crime, are up to five times more common than actual gun crimes and far more frequent than the roughly 20,000 murders estimated to occur each year, whether they be with a gun or without a gun. Without a gun actually adds to the numbers that we probably shouldn't add. Even when they prevent mass public shootings, defensive gun use rarely gets national news coverage. Same thing with defensive knife use, defensive baseball bat use, defensive lead pipe use, etc. 
Those living in large cities such as New York City, Atlanta, and Chicago are unlikely to hear about defensive use, no matter what the deterrent weapon, because defensive use has no shock value. As of August 10th, America's five largest newspapers, the New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, U.S. Today, and the Wall Street Journal, and I'm not sure if they're in order or not, have published a combined total of 10 news stories, I repeat, 10 news stories this year reporting civilians using a gun to successfully stop a crime. This is based on a Nexus database, which tracks news stories. On the other hand, those same newspapers, America's five largest, had a total of over 1,700 stories containing the keywords murder, murdered, or something similar. If you include words related to wounded, the total rises to over 2,700. Obviously, there is a media bias but anyone who pays attention already knows that. Nobody who has done their homework on defensive gun use could possibly believe reading news articles accurately captures anything but an infinitesimal share of defensive gun use. That is stated by Tomislav Kavanzik, hopefully I got the name right, an associate professor of criminology at the University of Texas at Dallas. According to real clear investigations, he said, quote, The only way to measure defensive gun uses is with surveys. While there is no such thing as a perfect measure of anything, the fact that they consistently show large numbers of defensive gun uses can't be ignored. Unquote. The U.S. Department of Justice's National Crime Victimization Survey. This is from the government itself, you know, the two-party Gestapo. It indicates that defensive gun use occurs about 100,000 times each year, an estimate that is actually much lower than 17 other surveys. Those other 17 surveys come up with an average of about 2 million. The difference between the government survey and the other surveys arises from the screening questions. The National Crime Victimization Survey asks a person if they have been a victim of a crime. Only respondents who answer yes are then asked if they have ever used a gun defensively. In contrast, the other surveys first question respondents by asking if they have been threatened with violence or a crime. Why? Because someone who successfully brandish a gun is less likely to see themselves as a victim of a crime, just an attempted one. Survey data also indicate that in 95% of cases when people use guns in a defensive situation, they merely show the gun to make the criminal back off. After all, nobody wants to get shot. As a result, defensive gun use rarely makes the news, though a few do squeak through, and usually in less populated cities and towns. For example, in March, a man police described as armed and dangerous attempted to rob a home in Smith County, Texas. The homeowner pulled a gun and the intruder fled away on foot. The criminal had outstanding warrants for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and a felon in possession of a firearm violations. He also had shot a woman the night before. 
Later that same month in Joplin, Missouri, a husband choked his wife during a domestic dispute. The wife, to her credit, thank goodness, I'm glad to say, was able to grab a gun to protect herself. The husband ran from the house and drove away before cops eventually caught up with him. In May, in Ogden, Utah, a stranger grabbed an 11-year-old girl on a school playground. An armed teacher, I repeat, armed teacher, which I'm all for if trained, observed this from inside the school. The teacher then ran outside, confronting the suspect, giving the girl an opportunity to pull away from the assailant. The teacher would hold a man at gunpoint until police were able to take over the situation. Defensive gun uses rarely loom large as a public concern. Why? Because they usually don't feature dead bodies, blood, or other grisly facts that fearful citizens tend to be attracted to. Without sensationalizing something, to make people fearful of something, there's little need to actually do something. Most of what the government does, be it health mandates, intervention in other countries' affairs, or attempted attacks on the Second Amendment, are based on using the media to instill fear of something that is almost always taken out of context. If there is nothing to fear, nothing to fix, nothing to make somebody supposedly better, there is no need for your vote. We'll take a break, but before I do, let me read the Second Amendment and keep in mind numerous states have wording that is very similar in their constitutions. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, shall not be infringed. As I always say, what part of shall not be infringed can you not understand? If you enjoy grilling and cooking, Camp Ridger seasonings are for you. All four blends are salt-free and designed to enhance the flavor of food, not bury it. The popular four-pack can be purchased and shipped anywhere in the continental U.S. for around 33 bucks, depending on your state's sales tax rate. Visit our sponsor's website at CampRidger.com or CampRidger.net for more information. Anything Dakota Rustler related can be found at dakotarustler.org. There, you will find links to audio and video versions of the latest episodes. You can also support the show through purchase of merchandise, donations, or sponsorship. Sponsors will be recognized on air and or the website. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the show. Hello, welcome back. Many leading outfits use data from the Gun Violence Archive to track firearm use. The GVA relies primarily on news reports, which as I stated, rarely include defensive use. The media coverage that we all see focuses mostly on the most extreme cases, which academic research suggests is actually a minority of gun uses. Media stories cannot be trusted to accurately reflect the number or type of defensive gun uses that actually occur. Professor Gary Mauser of Canada's Simon Fraser University told RCI, he states after numerous research projects that, quote, National surveys find that firearms are rarely fired when used to stop a violent attack. Such cases are unlikely to be reported to the police and even less likely to be found in media stories. 
relying upon media stories would greatly underestimate the true number of defensive gun uses. For proof, Real Clear Investigations examining gun violence archive data from January 1st to August 10th of this year and found 774 defensive gun uses in which 85% involved people getting shot. 43% resulting in death and 42% in wounding. Less than 4% of cases involved no shots fired. Again, no death, no blood, no gore, no news worth reporting. Experts interviewed by RCI said this coverage makes defensive gun use appear as if they always end in fatalities or woundings at a much higher rate than they actually do. A much higher rate, actually. In addition, many major outlets focus on instances where defensive gun use goes wrong, which may discourage people from defending themselves when they should actually do so. On top of that, most police departments don't bother to compile data on defensive gun use. It's there, it exists, they just don't compile it into facts. One exception is the Houston Police Department. A spokesperson for the department told RCI it has a rule to release press statements whenever someone has been killed or wounded in a shooting, whether it's criminally or defensively. No other department does that. This helps explain why two-thirds of defensive gun uses compiled by the GVA come from Houston. The spokesperson notes another anomaly. Police departments are only reporting instances when shots are fired. That means they are certainly missing most defensive gun use cases, he says. There are still other problems with relying on news stories. They are typically written immediately after the shooting and before all the facts are clearly determined. Defensive gun uses in public usually result in an arrest of the shooter defending himself or herself, because rarely are the police certain enough about what happened on the spot. When police or courts later drop the charges, a follow-up news story, or even a report on the police blotter, won't cover those developments, so relying on news stories can get some genuine defensive gun uses classified as crimes. RCI found a number of cases that fit this pattern. On September 9th, a man was pulling into, again, Houston, into a Houston gas station when an armed robber stopped his car and demanded his belongings. The police arrested the driver while they were investigating the case, but they later found him blameless. Quote, he is being very cooperative with the investigation and his story matches with witness statements. Unquote, the police stated. The gun violence archive lists some incidences as purely criminal acts of violence when they are really entailed defensive gun uses. Here are a few. West Palm Beach, Florida. A concealed handgun permit holder found a burglar inside his vehicle and shot and wounded a man in self-defense. Good for him. Lakehead, California. April 18th. A man called two people racial slurs before pulling out a handgun and shooting both of them. But two other men with guns apprehended him and held him until police arrived. Good for the Good Samaritans. Des Moines, Iowa, August 6th. A man broke into an apartment and assaulted the residents. During the attack, however, 
one of the residents was able to retrieve their own firearm and shoot the intruder, causing him to flee. He was later arrested in an emergency room where he was dumb enough to go and seek treatment. Numerous crimes also go unreported, so it is likely that many defensive gun uses are never known to the police and thus unknown to the media. One such case was in Mannheim, Pennsylvania many years ago. A resident of an apartment was awakened by a noise in the middle of the night. After picking up his handgun, stating he was armed, and clearing the apartment, no intruder, no intruder was found. Whether there was an actual attempted break-in is unknown, but the resident was prepared, ready, and all training instantly kicked in. How do I know? I was that resident. And no, I didn't report it, because for all I knew, it was a cat or the wind knocking over the trash can that I found tipped over the next morning. Besides, as I stated in the first half of the podcast, I didn't consider myself a victim of any crime at that time. Even defensive gun cases that end up getting local news coverage, where mass public shootings likely were prevented, rarely, if ever, receive any national news coverage. Just local. Once again, here are a few compiled by the Crime Prevention Research Center over the last year, all involving people legally carrying concealed handguns. A man was upset because of a medical condition, walked into a West Laco, Texas Walmart last fall with an AK-47, hell-bent on shooting people. A legal gun owner intervened, and according to the local TV station, quote, his actions led to the man putting down the gun. Unquote. As the hero recounted, he was totally surprised. Got him to put down the AK-47. He was very upset because I had destroyed his plans. In Brownsburg, Indiana, in July 2020, a man opened fire on workers at a cemetery and continued the attack on a nearby street. A concealed permit holder fatally shot the attacker. The tragic event could have been much more disastrous, the police captain Jennifer Barrett said. In Hummel's Wharf, Pennsylvania that same month, an attacker opened fire in a restaurant parking lot, killing two people. A man in a restaurant with a concealed handgun permit wounded the attacker. Thankfully, he helped prevent further bloodshed, the local prosecutor said. In Dallas, also in July of 2020, a man just started spraying a sports bar with an assault-style weapon at full capacity, but the shooter fled when he was confronted by armed patrons who shot back at him. Well, I'm not a big fan of firearms in a bar. In this particular instance, it was a good thing they were there, otherwise a lot of other people would have died. There are dozens of such cases from the last few years, but it is unlikely that many have heard heard of them since they attracted only local media coverage. Again, usually in small towns where such stories are actually considered newsworthy. In extremely rare instances when national news media do coverage illegal gun carriers' prevention of a crime, they can have a hard time getting the story straight. One example of this is the fatal shooting of two people at the West Freeway Church of Christ near Fort Worth, Texas, December of 2019. The media covered the attack, but repeatedly described the parishioners who stopped further bloodshed as security guards. 
parishioners were not security professionals, just members of the church, who were kindly bestowed the duty of acting as security personnel as a title of authority. Jack Wilson, the church member credited with stopping the attack, said that 19 to 20 members of the congregation were armed, but that neither he nor the church monitored who was carrying. You've got to love Texas churches, don't you? That's my kind of church. And if you live there, you have to be a special kind of stupid to go in and start shooting. Doesn't he know you reap what you sow? After all, it was a church. Anyway, with that, another show is in the books. Remember the newly altered mantra, question authority, and always be free. Catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Dakota Rustler Show, a production of D.L. Root. All rights reserved by D.L. Root, Buzzsprout.com, and their shared partners. Unauthorized use is prohibited. This show is sponsored by Camp Bridger Seasonings. Products available at CampBridger.net.